0: Welcome to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast, where we talk about topics and resources that help you lead more to reach more. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. My name is Tom Bump and I'm your host. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the KMC I really appreciate you taking time out of your week. I hope this will be helpful for you. I've been doing some thinking and praying, trying to figure out some of the next upcoming podcasts, have some good stuff in the works. But I wanted to share an episode that I'm calling, I Wished I Had, because I see a lot of questions out there in Facebook world. And I thought, hey, why not offer some free KMC coaching to all my listeners today so you're going to get a little taste of this and i hope that you'll enjoy the information and i hope that maybe you can add into the conversation in the kmc facebook group of some things you wish you had or some advice or tips that you've learned along the way so one of the common things that i hear and as i work with uh kmc coaching students uh, i hear i wished i had more time i have so much to do i have so many things on my plate My pastor's asking me to do things i know there's things that i have to plan for especially now that we're coming up into bible school season and summer outreaches and camps there's a lot of things and even though the new now right now we're still not sure exactly what that's going to look like Uh, still in the pandemic still wondering what that's going to appear to be but a lot of people are struggling with time they're struggling with tasks they're struggling with how do i manage it all how do i keep these plates spinning And so that's the first thing that, as I would look into this question, is to say, what are you doing? Where are you spending your time? Do you know where it goes? Now, some of you are very task-driven people. You have your to-do list, but that doesn't mean you know how to manage your time well. Um, Managing time and managing tasks are two different things. Uh, My good friend Todd McKeever loves to talk about task management. So does my mentor, Jim Weidman. Uh, They both have poured a lot into my life um, because I'm one of those creatively disorganized kind of people, as I'll say. But I was challenged to ask myself, where does my time go? How am I using it? Where am I spending it? To think of it as currency. And so I would encourage you, if you struggle with time and tasks of wondering where does it go, because even the people who think they're organized can struggle with task management. Because you can have a long task list, you can have a well-organized list, but that doesn't always mean you get things done. And so what you need to start with is thinking about, are you really task-driven or are you time-driven? And think about how you spend your day. Do you have a set flow? Do you have a plan? Do you have an idea of where your time goes? So one of the things that I do with my coaching students is we do a time study. And it is a little tedious and it is a little hard, especially for those of you that are real creatives and you don't like lists. This is one of the hardest exercises I take people through because it was a challenge for me too. I didn't like it. It felt tedious. It felt like I was being strapped in and tied down um, and and it was scary. Um, honestly, it was revealing. And so it scared me to reveal that much and become vulnerable that much to my coaches that were working with me on this. But I wanna encourage you to take a day and write down, keep a notepad next to where you are all day long and write down what you do and how you do it. Now for me, I made it a game. Uh, I set up uh, my list and I had my tasks that I wanted to accomplish on this one particular day. So I made a game out of it and I said, okay, I'm gonna do this task and I think it's gonna take me one hour to complete. And so I would set a timer and off I would go and do my task. And when I would get done, I'd hit the stop on the timer and I would look. And uh, you know what? I learned some things by doing that. But it was really fun to get myself to go through the day and to figure out how I was using my time. And at the end of the day, I saw how much I got done and sometimes how little I got done, how much time I thought it was going to take versus how much did it actually take and boy did i learn some lessons so if you're asking yourself the idea of saying hey i need more time you need to understand where are you going are you being a good steward of your time one of the things that revealed to me was i was on social media too much i was doing too much too many idea asking uh, questions on facebook and i was getting stuck in and in, on instagram and different things um, I was even spending too much time in podcasts, which oh no, don't stop listening. Um, but but uh, you know, I started to learn to put that in the background, and and I I've learned some other techniques that I'll I'll show with you later. Uh, but the whole idea is to understand if you're going to treat it like currency, do you know where it's going? How are you spending it, and what are you spending it on? Is it things that are going to pay off and give you value, or and help you with your day, or is it not? So if you're very task-driven, take your to-do list once you've looked through how your time is spent and ask yourself, Are every, is everything on this list necessary for me personally to do? If it's not, you need to create the, a list for somebody else, somebody else to accomplish. You need to have what I encourage most of my students to take and to keep is a to-don't list. There should be things on your list that you just don't do. Because they are time wasters. They they drain you. Uh, they don't energize you. They're not in your gifting and talents. And therefore, you really shouldn't be doing them because it is burning up your time. And your time is valuable. You need to make sure. There are times where, you know, for me, one of the things that I discovered was killing a lot of my time was when people would walk by my office and, hey, do you have a minute? Well, it was never one minute. It was always 10, 15, 20, sometimes up to an hour. And I had to realize that there were days where I needed to say, uh, no, but I can schedule something for you later in the day. But right now I'm in the middle of a project. I started to learn to own my time. And so if you struggle with time and if you're a task-driven person, a to-do list-driven person, you have to own that list and make sure you're managing the list well that you're doing the right things and you're not letting other people put stuff on your to-do list that doesn't belong there. So to-do list people have a lot to manage and a lot to consider, but you can find and more margin when you manage your to-do list well. Now, if you're creatively disorganized like me and uh, sometimes you start thinking of to-do lists and different apps and and you'll feel like you're going to break out into hives you feel that way that was me um i remember spending hours and hours and hours i heard about this system called getting things done and everybody kept telling me that's what i needed because i was so disorganized and i they didn't like my piles not files system uh they felt like that was too disorganized and i needed a better system so they told me i should go get a system so i heard about this getting things done and so I got this guy's book and I read through the book, and he recommended this whole system of file folders and how to manage your email. And so I went out and I spent days, uh, several days at least, where I was just creating this folder system and and uh, creating, setting up my email folders to a certain way. And I became so paralyzed by fear and and just the overwhelming feeling of this wasn't designed for somebody like me. This was designed for a to-do list person, but not a creatively disorganized person. Um, somebody who likes to go Mach 3 with your hair on fire, who your mind has all the ideas. And as I was wisely told by my good friend, Jim, um, our brains are for creating and for uh, content development, but not for remembering. We need a system to to remember how to get things done and what needs to be done so that we don't forget. And we don't miss an opportunity to serve well and lead well. So if you're creatively disorganized, again, you are going to have to do a time study. You are going to have to figure out where you're using your time, who's taking up your time, what are you putting your time into. And it's important because if you want to do more, and if you want to have more time to create, if you want to have more time to innovate, if you want to have more time to build relationships that you love, You need to be able to manage your time so you have time to do those things well. So, again, make it a game for yourself if that's what helps you. It helped me um, to just create this game and this challenge for myself, and then off I went. So, if you need more time, you need to learn to manage it well, and you will have more time. Now, I've heard some people say, well, I need more help. Well... Let me ask you, are you willing to give away anything that you do? Truly, are you willing to do? If God brought five people into your office right now as you're listening to this podcast, and they all five said, We want to help you, we want to serve alongside of you, would you have roles for them, significant roles for them to accomplish? Think about that for a moment. Would you? Do you? Because God's not going to bless you with five more people or even one more person if you're not fully prepared to make them significant in what they do, meaning you've got to give them a significant role. If you're just asking somebody to come alongside you and all you want them to do is cut out the preschool cutouts. Well, they're not gonna exactly feel like that's a significant role. Now, there are some people out there that absolutely love doing that stuff. Then give it away and let them do it. You don't need to take that home and have a cutout party with your family, (laughs) like I used to do all the time. And my kids hated Fridays because they knew I was bringing home a bunch of work for them to serve. That's the way, come on guys, we'll serve together. Yeah, don't do that to your family. That's not the way to get help. But if you're going to get help, you need to know what you would have somebody do if they came to you and volunteered. What do you want people to do? And sometimes we don't even really know. If God were to double or triple the numbers we have for volunteers, we don't even know how we would use them. So if you want God to bless, you have to get ready. You've got to till the soil. You've got to pull the rocks out. You've got to fertilize and you've got to plant seeds and you got to water it and you got to work it so if you're not willing to do the work why is god going to give you the help so when i hear people saying i need more help i need more help well first you need to have that list of what would you have them do you need to have a, a how much time will it take how how what what's the scope of it and are you really going to let them own it or are you going to be micromanaging it all along the way you know i saw somebody really wise once And I can't even really tell you who to give credit to, but I was told that, you know, really 95% or 90% of what we do as children's ministry leaders could be taught to somebody else, but there's 5% that really is up to us. It really is our gifting, our talent, our ability that has to happen to get this stuff done. And so you need to stay in your 5% and give a lot of it away. So, If you need more help with things around the work of the ministry, I'm not talking about Sunday group stuff. I'm talking about during the week, helping things get done, Bible school planning, all that kind of stuff. If you're looking for help, you're looking for people to come alongside you and partner with you in ministry, then you need to know what you would have them do, why you would have them do it. And be ready to let them take it and run with it and do it however they can get it done. And you release it to them. If you want more help, you've got to demonstrate that you're help worthy. I had people say to me, well, I didn't think you really needed my help. You had it all under control. You know, sometimes I gave that impression or sometimes I gave the impression I was so busy. But there wasn't any room for them to ask for help because I was just too busy. I wasn't approachable. That's the hard truth that I had to face. Is that something that you need to face? Are you really approachable in ministry? You may think you are, but you may be giving off the impression that you're not because you're too busy or you just don't need the help because you've got it all under control. You have to be willing to humble yourself and say, Hey, I need you on my team. You have gifts and talents that I don't have. You can do this way better than I could ever do. I want to give this to you. Here's the deadline. Here's the scope. Here's how to here's the the guardrails. Now go. And trust them. I trust the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? I found when I ask for help, I get it. When I share the need. It comes. Now, when it comes to volunteers, that's another story. And I want to encourage you to focus on the Jesus recruitment model. There's a lot of people out there that will tell you this model, that model. Well, the only model I've ever worked, and I've never paid a dime to hear this from anybody else because it's right in scripture, is the Jesus recruitment model. Jesus went out and personally recruited people. He saw them for who they are, not for what they could do. Sometimes we need to approach people with not with what can they do for me, but what can I do for them? How can I minister and encourage them and love them and then invite them into something so significant to show them that what this mission is of reaching boys and girls with the gospel of Christ and how important it is and what a blessing it is to be a part of such a huge mission when Jesus called people he called them to be all in he didn't make it super easy <laughs> he didn't make it um something that that uh, was just like oh yeah I can on, on a whim jump in no he he wanted people to think and consider the weight of what he was asking and I don't I think we can do that too I know sometimes we're so desperate for help. That we think, oh, I'll take anybody. But you know what? If you take anybody with a pulse, you're asking for trouble. And, and putting stuff up on screens and having the senior pastor you know, say something from the pulpit, sure, those are good. But they're dangerous because it's not always the person that you really want or even need in the children's ministry. I want you to focus on what Jesus did and he personally talked to people. He knew the men that he wanted to call to be his disciples, and he personally called them to the mission. He told them what was involved, and he asked them to come and follow him. We can do that same approach, and we can build our models as 12, 3, and 1, and do that to scale for whatever type of ministry you are. Jesus called 12. He poured deeply into 3, but he truly invested in one. The reason why I, I teach this with my KMC coaching model is because I believe it's totally biblical and it's worked in every church that I've been a part of. When I went out and recruited mass for the, the small group leaders, but then I, I found three people who were very, very faithful. In my case, it was actually four. And I had two preschool and two elementary, one for each service that would be my team leads, my coaches. And then I really poured into one person who was kind of my right hand, who could be in charge when I was gone, who could manage the other four and help with them and encourage them, but also was also that one that would go out and continue to work with the 12, to be out there so that if I couldn't get to everybody, they were around as well. You see, when it comes to I wish I had more volunteers, one of the things we have to realize is, we need to have more disciples we need to be discipling those that we want to make disciples of the children and so we have to think again where's our need why do we need them how much do we need them are we willing to be flexible and work with them or are we going to be real rigid and they have to fit into our box sure it takes more management and sometimes that's where Having a volunteer coordinator, having someone who can really manage it well and not get discouraged and not get frustrated with people calling off and not getting frustrated with people changing when they're available. If that frustrates you as a leader, then you need to find somebody else that can do this without it without them getting frustrated. That's their gifting. And I had people, I've been blessed with people who love to manage volunteers and they don't get frustrated by it because they love ministering to these people and they see what they're doing is such a great mission. So I want to encourage you, if you need more volunteers, create the community, create the community that invites people in that people want to be a part of the team. If you're shouting out about how amazing the ministry is, how full it's getting, and how it's growing, and how the kids are learning, and sharing stories of what the kids are saying, and what they're doing, and how they're taking next steps of faith, trust me, people will want to be on your team. But if all you do is talk about how tired you are, how worn out you are, how frustrated you are, how desperate you are for help, nobody wants to go on a sinking ship. Desperation says, I don't know how to do this well. And sometimes we don't. I didn't. There were times I was so desperate. I would get up on the pulpit during announcements and I would beg. I would beg for help. And you know what? I didn't get any help. Because who wanted to come up to my area and and serve with me? I look back at that and I'm embarrassed at some of the things that I did to recruit people. It was all wrong. Finally, God started showing me new ways of recruiting, new ways of getting volunteers. And when I started building the one-on-one, I'm going to go talk to people one-on-one and build relationships with them. I'm going to help them find the, the best spot for them to serve so they can use their gifts. Um, if all they have is once a month availability, I'm going to find them a place for that. If, if they've got every week ability, I can put them there. I got a spot for them. I'm going to pour into them. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to thank them all the time. I'm going to call them and text them and send them cards to let them know how much I appreciate them. I'm going to be praying for them. I'm going to be caring for them and their families. I want them to know that they are more important to me than what they do for me. They are more important to me than for me. And I think if you want more volunteers, if you wish you had more volunteers, it's stop begging, stop sounding desperate, fall to your knees, ask God to show you what your number is, what do you need realistically to do the ministry, what do you want them to do and how you want them to do it, get organized get the basics behind the scenes done. Maybe recruit a prep team so you have all your supplies ready and done so that the leader can just study the lesson and walk in. Or maybe you need them to do some more, then ask them to step up to the plate and do that more. I remember taking a team that I was serving in and our pastor was very convinced that he wanted everybody at least every week or if not every other week. So honoring my pastor, I made the change of saying, "Okay, we're not going to do once a month. We're going to do it every other week. And if you can't, those of you that can only do once a month, I have special roles just for you. And I was able to go out and I was able to shift a model and I was able to to work with people who were hurting and 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 were struggling, and I was able to pull them together and get them in, and we moved a team from going all over the place, <laughs> serving in all different varieties, to every other week in, in, in about six weeks. It was a lot of conversations. It was a lot of heart sharing. It was a lot of listening and asking questions, but I watched God move amongst the people, and he blessed our efforts. Now, every other week may not work for you. You may not have that kind of an environment. Well, then figure out what do you need, how do you need it, and build your model. Don't try to work somebody else's model or somebody else's system. It's a big mistake I see a lot of young leaders in ministry making. They think they can take somebody else's system and how they do it and copy and paste. Listen, friends, you can't do that. Every context, every church has its culture and its community. And that's why, to me, hiring a coach is one of the most valuable things I ever did because he helped me figure out my culture and my community and to create a plan where I could focus on building a volunteer base and a volunteer team that was strong and successful. And I wasn't chasing people down every week. Sure, I had my Sundays where not everybody showed up and I had to cover some things. Yep, I did. There were times where I was the only one in... (laughs) And I might've had a couple teenagers helping me and that was it in a room full of 50, 60 kids. It happens. I was there. I would come home exhausted from those weekends, but I learned as I managed my team and I asked God to show me a system of 12, three, one and one-on-one, how that changed things for me. And I came home from church, not so exhausted. And I could praise the Lord on Mondays because of what God had done through the team on Sunday. Last, and we'll wrap this up. Is I wished I had more parents' involvement. Well, I want to say this again. I've said this many times on the podcast. How are you helping your parents grow themselves? A lot of parents don't disciple their children the way we think they ought to because they've never been discipled themselves. Nobody's ever shown them how to use those take home things, nobody's shown them how to talk to their kids in a simple language. Nobody's ever shown them how they could communicate. You know, we expect parents to lead their children to Christ, but has anybody ever shown them how to do it in a child's language, how to share it in a child's language? Do parents understand how? I will tell you, no, they don't. I'll never forget one Sunday morning. I was sitting in my office just cleaning up and, I was there, and all of a sudden, I hear this knock at the door, and there's two parents, a mom and a dad, and a little girl standing in front of them, a little fourth-grade girl and third-grade girl. And they were like, here, hey, she, she said that she wants to ask Jesus into her heart. Can you help her? Now, of course, I was excited. I was off the wall, but I was also heartbroken at the same time. And the parents were just going to leave their daughter with me and they were going to stand out in the hallway. I said, No, 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 no. You come in and sit down. We're doing this together. Let's walk through the gospel together. And I took that little girl through the gospel, but I asked mom and dad to explain some things on their own terms. I got them involved in it. And the tears began to flow as they realized the joy that they had of leading their own daughter to Christ. It wasn't me. I just was kind of facilitating. But I realized then I needed to help more parents learn how to communicate the gospel. So we started offering uh, opportunities for them to do that. I would even sit one-on-one with parents and walk them through. I met with coffee groups and we talked it through. And I gave them a little handout with a card that had questions and answers that they could ask their children. You have to help them disciple if you want them to do it. If you want them to serve... Make it friendly for them to come in, especially men. I've talked to a number of men recently that just didn't feel welcome in children's ministry. I'm sorry, but if we don't make men and dads, single men, feel comfortable coming into our children's ministry, we're doing a huge disservice to the body of Christ. Let's make it friendly for all parents, and let's really check our hearts, gang, on how we feel about parents i know there's a lot of venting on facebook about it i hope that's not the way you always feel all the time sure we all get ready to blow up i mean there were times parents just wanted oh if i could i I could write a book on the things i wished i could say (laughs) i wanted to say (laughs) but didn't uh yeah i held back um but i also know that we have to love and care for them and we have to invite them in. Maybe you need to have the special seats. Um, we, we created a little thing that we had this special couch and we invite every once in a while, we would hand out, we never told the kids when it was happening, but we would hand out these special golden tickets where they could invite their parents to come experience kids church with their kids. And we had popcorn and drinks And the parents could come in, and the kids escorted them up to the the fancy couch, and and they got to sit on the big comfy couch with their kids, and they got to worship, and parents loved it. Absolutely loved doing this. You know, I got volunteers out of it. I got parents that offered to serve, when, especially when they realized that it was me and another adult and a bunch of teenagers running the show. They realized we needed more help because the room was filling. Well, it's a great way to expose parents to the things that we do, but sometimes we make them feel like, oh, you can't come into our area. Well, I, agree. I get the security idea. I want secure environments, but I also want parents to be welcome there. These are their children, after all, that they're entrusting to us, to partner with, to disciple them. One last ki- tidbit tip, uh, <laughs> hack, I'll say, um, stop the chaos, There are times where when parents are coming to pick up their kids, all they see is pandemonium. And let me tell you, there's nothing that will turn off recruitment faster than a room of out of control kids because they will assume, even if it's only been those last five minutes, that that's what it looks like the entire hour. So stop the pandemonium before class and the pandemonium after class if you want to see parents come along and join your team. Think about that. What can you do intentionally before and after that creates intention and purpose and shows off the very best of your children's ministry? That's what you need to be doing at the very end of your service when it comes to pick up time. That's what parents need to see is that very best. So think about those things. I wished I had more time, more help, more volunteers, more parents, less chaos. And let's make it happen. You guys are the best. You are doing something amazing that's going to ripple into eternity. Don't ever forget that. And maybe you're listening to this podcast today and you're tired and you're worn out and you're discouraged and you're ready to quit. Let me invite you to, to reach out. You can go to KMCcoach.net and there's a button that says schedule to talk. I would be glad to listen to you. I would love to hear your story. I would love to be able to offer how I could help come alongside you. And if I can't, I know of many great coaches out there who can. It's not about me. This is bigger than me. And we want to see the Kid Ministry Collective community grow and do amazing ministry for our awesome God. So if I can serve, if I can help, please reach out. If you need help, if you need a break, if you're burning out, if you're hurting quietly, secretly, check out restoringleaders.org. Again, schedule a call and talk to me. I would love to hear your story, and I would love to be able to offer some hope and encouragement to you. So I hope these few things have been an encouragement to you. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you haven't joined the Kid Ministry Collective community, find it on Facebook, answer the questions to join. And we would love to have you be a part of our KMC. Share this podcast. Um, We would love to do that. If you need help, you need coaching, you need mentoring, you need training for your church, you need to figure out what's broken and how do we fix it. Feel free to head over to kmccoach.net. I've got lots of opportunities and availability right now that I can come and serve you. So God bless you. Thanks for listening. Join me again for another episode of the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast real soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Kids Ministry Collective Podcast. We hope that it's helped and encouraged you. If you would, support our podcast by continuing to share it with other leaders. And if you haven't already, hey, please subscribe. And leave us a review wherever you listen to this podcast. We look forward to hearing from you how this podcast has helped and sharpened your skills in ministries. So let us know on your Facebook page or head over to kmccoach.net and share with us there. And thanks again for listening to the Kid Ministry Collective Podcast.